Dear friends, good afternoon. Uh, I start by wishing you all God's peace, shalom. And uh, I'm very pleased that it's a joyful reality that we could meet together after the years of Corona, and it's, it looks like, what, what, what else could we want and could we ask for than meeting each other in the house of the Lord? And as we see every week that in ever increasing numbers, and this becomes very, it by itself a reason to be thankful that we could meet again in the church. May all praise and honor and worship be to our God who carried us through those years or these years of Corona and uh, those trying times, although we still live in a difficult time as we all know. We know that at least none of us have fallen asleep or perished during Corona. It's not because of we have done anything exceptional, but because God's grace and mercies has carried us through this. Well, of course, one could be very thankful about being alive. There is even greater reason to be thankful, to be alive in the Lord, and to be with him, and to be found in his grace and in his mercies. That by itself and above all else is the good reason to be joyful and to be thankful. You know, I see in this season we are reflecting in the, or we are studying the book or the gospel according to St. Luke with the title of the gospel of the neighbor or the gospel about loving your neighbor as yourself. Our reading for today is from Luke 16 and verses 19 to 31. I invite you to stand with me and let us read the text together. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his souls. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called, he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you have received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you in agony. Besides, besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, 
Then I beg to you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone from dead rises, someone rises from the dead. Shalik, leader, Harens, Evangelia. This is the word of God. Let us sit down. Last week we read the story about that shrewd manager whom Jesus was fascinated over and appreciated for his plans about the future, who wanted to secure his future by using his wealth or the opportunities in order to get a future. That story was outrageous as we read last time and listened to Michael preaching. Even the text of today goes in the same direction that provoking emotion from us. This text is a very special text for Lucas, the Gospel of Luke, but it isn't unique only to Luke. In the larger Gospel material, we have similar stories. The story of the rich young man in Matthew 19, the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 18, 19, and, and the list goes on. It's not that Jesus or Christianity has problem with wealth and the wealthy people as such, but the Bible clearly warns about the danger of the power of wealth and money in blinding people away from faith. I don't know about you, but this parable supposed to provoke anger in a modern reader, especially those with wealth and power. But often this story of Lazarus and the rich man is used for other purposes, especially to sort of picture the heaven, and that, that's the point of the story is somehow lost, because people try to construct heaven out of this story. But the text, being a parable, one has to read the whole story to get the point. Parable is like you read the whole story, you wait until the point where Jesus hammers the point at the end of the parable, where we read as we read in the text of today. Actually, parables are taken from the daily life realities. Jesus uses the realities of people in his days. In the story itself, we read a rich man who is made anonymous. He is not identified by name or address, whereas the poor man is identified. In somehow, in so doing, Jesus is giving a recognition to the one who is suffering. His name is called Lazarus. Lazarus is a, a term which reminds or which comes from El Azar, which means God helped. So in a way, the name itself is somehow indicative of God is helping this person. Jesus told this story to his disciples 
And Luke wrote this story to Theophilus, who has received or who has been instructed by the gospel in order to that he should know the certainty of the things that he has heard about. We, in today in Oslo, in 2022, in a post-COVID world of Europe or Norway, we are hearing this story. Jesus draws his point at the end of the story, and that is why we have to read the whole story before we go into drawing conclusions. Traditionally, people want to use this text to describe heaven for what it is, but Jesus wanted us to look at the point of how or what we do here will determine what happens to our life afterwards as well. The point isn't about giving the details about the heaven, which is much glorious than what the text says, as in other texts we read, but the point is to warn, to warn listeners that they should, they should obey the prophets, the law, and the gospel when it comes to how they treat their fellow human being. If Jesus had moved physically or walked physically in our world of today with these disparities when it comes to possessions, we live in a world of extreme disparities with a few number of people extremely rich, ridiculously rich, while a large number of people suffering in poverty and pain. If Jesus had moved in our world of today, he would have been definitely shocked by the disparity of the life we are living in. The rich man who, made, who, made, who is made into an anonymous actually is not someone who didn't know how to respond or how to handle wealth because in the text we read that he is conversing with Abraham as his father. So it must have been someone from a fellow Jew who knew about the law and the prophets. While on his life, in his good days, while he was enjoying wealth and privileges, he never cared about his fellow human who was in misery, who was laid at his gate. The text somehow puts the, the text pause persons in a close proximity so that the, 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 well, the rich man has nowhere to hide when it comes to why he failed to, to address. The image is quite similar today if, if we move into our realities of today. If you walk downtown Oslo, you will be confronted by somebody who is sitting by the, by the street and begging for money or begging for some help. Every day I walk to my office, I often face this and it is every morning, it's a painful reality. What shall I do? Shall I give? Shall I just leave? Shall I just go? Shall I just walk by? The same meets you every day in many parts of the world. This reality of wealth and suffering side by side. For me, this has followed me from my days in Ethiopia where you meet wealth and poverty side by side. In these days, you will find extremely rich and wealthy people also in the streets of Addis Ababa, while you also find millions still waiting and begging for bread. From the text itself, from the conversation between the rich man and Abraham, 
one can see that this rich person had heard about or had known the gospel and had known the law and the, the responsibilities he had to his fellow human being. That he was supposed to share the wealth he had. He was supposed to use the wealth in a way that would also reach to the needs of his neighbor. But he never cared about those. The law and the prophets were there to warn him to repentance, to warn him to end his selfish use of money and resources and to warn him to use the wealth also to reach to the misery of his fellow human being, his neighbor or his fellow human being. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel which Luke writes, is the gospel of the neighbor. Yes, it is the gospel about loving our neighbor. It is the gospel about giving our time and energy sharing our wealth with fellow human beings because the love that God has manifested towards us is to be transported or to be expressed to others through our work of love. That's why whatever wealth we have, whatever gift we have, whatever things that we have received is meant to serve our fellow human, which is our fellow neighbor. The word neighbor has become very much common terminology, and it could easily be deceptive, or people would not really get the point of it. The neighbor is not as such your, the person living next door, but the neighbor, according to Luke, is someone who is in need and whom you could help, or who you are expected to help. That is the story of the Good Samaritan, where the, the, the story of neighbor is clearly defined. This parable wraps up with a conversation between the rich man who is pleading Father Abraham to send Lazarus from the dead in order to help him warn his brothers or warn his family so that they won't join him in this torment and suffering. Father Abraham responds to this plea negatively or underscoring the fact that of course, the family who are still alive have all the, all the ways, all the words, or the, all the, the guides from the law and the prophets if they were to listen and to be convinced and to repent and to share their life with others. Friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel that changes our relations to other people. It comes to us it transforms our relations to God, it transforms our relations to ourselves, and it transforms our relations to our fellow human beings. It is a gospel of love. If other religions have some ways of expressing their faith, whether it is law, whether it is rule, whether it is obedience, Christianity should be and could be better expressed with the very one word that is love. God loving us and he wanting us to love others. That we are called to love the world. We are called to love the people. For God so loved the world, the world that was at sin, the world that was in enmity towards him, yet God displays his love. And that God calls us also to love our neighbors as ourselves. It is when we love our neighbors as ourselves that we share our wealth, 
We share our talents. We share our opportunities to those in need. Failing to do so falsifies our confession and our songs and our worship as well. The parable warns at the end, failing to respond to our fellow in need while we have possessions, especially when we have wealth, opportunities, and privileges, it is a denial of God's purpose in our lives. To love our neighbor is and could better be manifested through us sharing our lives with those in need. Giving our time, our energy, our talents to serve those in need. That is the core teaching of the law and the prophets and, of course, the gospel. If you go back to the Old Testament and to explore the whole point of the law or the whole point of the prophets, the prophets were warning and were challenging the nation of Israel for failing to take care of their fellow human beings, failing to take care of those in need among them. The law also expresses this core idea of loving fellow human beings. Friends, the gospel addresses us today too through this text that God wants us to serve him, to love him by loving our neighbors and sharing our possessions and wealth with those in need. Failing to do so Failing to share our lives, our times, our talents, and our money with those in need would deny the ground of the gospel of which we find salvation and of which we sing and of which we worship God about. In the story, it, as it wraps, the law and the prophets are there to warn people to repentance. And that is the call we have too. The gospel we read also is supposed to bring that repentance, that examination of ourselves on how we have used our opportunities when it comes to our fellow human beings. May God help us to pay attention and to open our eyes and see those in need amongst us today as well. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards each and every one of you. And may he bring you peace. So go in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and serve the Lord, serve the world, serve each other joyfully. Amen.